Hey folks, welcome back to the next episode of the Jedi Council podcast where we like to talk about mental health and your favorite or, as might be the case today, least favorite <laughs> fictional characters. <laughs> this is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. Katie, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, I'm excited to talk about the film Split. So, to start things off, I'm just going to say this word three times in a row very slowly to make sure my point is clearly uh, clearly given. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie Split, if you're concerned about spoilers, tune out right away because we're going to really dive in and uh, talk about it. So um, we both went and saw it last night, as you might have seen if you follow us on social media. And just as kind of a way to wrap up our discussion on dissociative identity disorder, we thought it might be an awesome way to tie in current events or current popular culture and how it relates to mental health because I mean that's the whole point of everything we do and not often does it line up so well where the topic that we've been talking about uh, coincides with a film that's currently in theaters so we thought this would be a great way to close off our discussion on dissociative identity disorder and split is a choice that we found particularly appealing because it is currently at the top of the box office. It's already made $14 million, and it has received very good ratings. So it is something where a lot of people are going to see it and have thoughts about mental health. And so it's a great way for us to hopefully connect with more people who've seen this movie and are interested in a take from a psychological perspective. Absolutely. And the kind of the way that we got, I think, initially thinking about Split and Dissociative Identity Disorder as a topic was, and I know I talked about this in previous episodes, but I had a, uh, I responded to a Facebook post on for the Cinema Sins folks asking what folks thought about the trailer for Split, and I left a comment saying, you know, I wondered about any potential impact or influence on mental health stigmatization or mental health stigma because of a movie like that, because as we've talked about, there is a historical record of um, of films kind of coinciding with mental health a little bit and the way people think about it and the way that we see mental health. So I just opened up the question and it was received positively by some and very negatively by others. So it kind of got us thinking about let's go see the movie, let's talk about this stuff and just kind of see what we thought. Exactly. And to be honest and in going into it that I think neither of us were that interested in seeing the movie and then no. we did independently have some people whose taste we trust suggest that it might be better than we're thinking. And yeah. so we wanted to you know, also just see for ourselves. And I think it's also worth saying just uh, to evenly consider both sides a part of the reason I don't think either of us were interested in seeing the movie is it doesn't really fit into the genre that either of us like. Yeah. Not only did the trailer sort of trouble me a little bit, but I'm also not really into the sort of what I perceived as some sort of horror film, I, I'm sort of a lighthearted or action comic book, but I love comedies. So Yeah, and I don't so usually watch scary-type movies yeah. or thrillers unless they're in the comic book yes. setting. So, yeah, even right. one of the trailers was horrifying mm-hmm. the, the, before Split. It was terrible. Well, so. even when you see something like... Yeah, that's right. That yeah. was... Oh, my <laughs> I gosh. I don't remember that the was, name of that, that film. That was really that trailer, disturbing. That's the one the I think it's by really... Jordan Peele. Oh, yeah, it is. So that's right, because that caught us off guard, because when I think of uh, Jordan Peele I think of the good giggles and laughs that I've known to no, come No, this love. was I think is it called Get Out? Yeah, Get Out and it and it, it the trailer itself it looked quite scary. So that will be probably a film that I won't see Mm-mm. and you it, uh, loyal listeners will not be able to convince me to see it even <laughs> for mental health reasons if there are any. So 
Uh, to start things off, I was going to very briefly, from my memory, give a very brief summary of the film Split. Um, bear with me, because I have just seen it once last night. My memory is not perfect. Uh, Kevin Smith, he's amazing at recalling memory movies from memory on his podcast, yeah, so it's good. time to put me to the test. So Split starts off with a birthday party. You've got uh, some girls speaking with their dad, and one girl sort of looking out the window, who you kind of get the idea that she's a bit of an outsider from the social click uh, but she was invited anyway. They get out to the car. Those three girls end up uh, being kidnapped by someone who uh, knocks the dad unconscious. You don't really see what happens. He gets into the car and uh, knocks out the two girls in the back seat, which leaves this sort of uh, girl who was invited to the party as, uh, you know, in addition. She wasn't really part of the group. And he doesn't knock her out right away, and she slowly, like, thinks about getting out of the car, but sort of doesn't follow through in it, and then he ends up knocking her out too. He was knocking everyone out in the movie with some sort of canister of gas. And uh, he had a surgical mask yep. that prevented him from having Absolutely. those effects. So then uh, we see the girls waking up uh, in a room, presumably in some sort of facility or industrial building uh, in a basement. Yeah. Uh, and they wake up in there and they're sort of trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, the person who kidnapped them comes in and takes one of the girls out of the room. And there's sort of this scene... Uh, where the girl gets away from him and runs over and uh, the sort of outcast girl from the group I don't like to use the term outcast but I can't think of how else to identify her says you know uh, you know, go to the bathroom by yourself mm-hmm. since she's about to be assaulted and so he takes her out of the room and comes back in and, and she says you know, he wanted me to dance for her and it's kind of not really clear what exactly is going on yet uh, they come back he comes back or they hear a woman in the hallway uh, spoiler, it's actually him still. This is when the girls start to see that there are different personalities going on. They start to get an idea as to what's going on. And the rest of the movie sort of drags on with this point for quite mm-hmm. a while where they're underground. And um, slowly the girls are separated into individual rooms as they try to escape or get away by different ways. Eventually the two more sort of quote-unquote popular girls or in-group girls are separated to their own rooms because they both attempted to escape. Uh, and then that leaves the one girl by herself in the main room. And throughout this sort of middle part of the movie, there are these flashbacks of this girl's childhood where you sort of see she's hunting with her father and uncle and they're spending time together. And eventually, as you come to find out, this girl was uh, sexually assaulted by her uncle as a child. And it's not really clear exactly where that's going. And then in the main part of the plot, as it sort of progresses, uh, the therapist who treats the main uh, character of Split, who has uh, come to find out 24 personalities, but uh, Dennis is sort of the one you see the most, I think, who's a person mm-hmm. who has obsessive-compulsive disorder. That's the one who asks the girl to dance, and you come to find out Dennis has a fetish for asking girls to dance naked for him. And the therapist is getting emails from one of the personalities at, like, 1 in the morning, and uh, Dennis is trying to cover up and just keeps showing up to these appointments saying, oh, nothing's wrong, and pretending to be another one of the more uh, socially conscientious... Barry, was it? Barry, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a sort of a fashion mm-hmm. uh, guru. And uh, the therapist is sort of gets this sense that something is not right because she keeps getting these emails and uh, also seems to know that these girls are missing and almost seems like she's putting the pieces together but doesn't quite... And then throughout the movie, um, Dennis keeps talking to these girls about how the Beast is going to be coming, this new personality who is this 
beast who has these terrible powers. Which and, is uh, his 24th? 24th, yep. yep. And this also sort of coincides with this therapist subplot where she's trying to prove uh, to the psychological or medical community that people with multiple personalities, each personality has its own physical characteristics as well. And so it's kind of hinting that maybe the beast has some powers and then as eventually, this is all kind of drawn out for what felt like a long time to me. Uh, as it turns out, the therapist get, figures out that maybe the, the girls have been abducted, goes back, goes to where uh, Dennis is, um, and then gets killed, basically, by the beast. The transformation is completed. And when we see the beast right away, uh, it's mostly just the, uh, James McAvoy running with no shirt really quickly. But then we actually do see him like climbing a wall, like with actual supernatural abilities, and has grown significantly. Is very strong, pushes a door th- open through the lock, and actually squeezes the therapist to death with like a bear hug. And then um, I've gotten most of the main points. I think mm-hmm. I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. Uh, as it turns out, the beast uh, kills the therapist, kills two of the girls by and eating them. By eating because them, they're um, impure. Impure food. Yep, which we have. We haven't figured out what impure really means yet by this point. And then that leaves the last girl uh, who uh, finds a note from the therapist that has the full name of the um, split character and uh, says the full name, gets the actual base personality back who's been gone for some amount of years and just says, you know, there's a gun over there, you need to kill me, and then starts to cycle through the personalities. Now, if there was an interesting part to watch, that was good acting Mm -hmm. to sort of see that. Um, But then she gets the gun and goes off running, and the beast is after her and uh, slowly chases her, and then she ends up basically in a small prison cell, jail cell, I didn't really get why that was down there at the time, uh, and shooting him in the shotgun shells aren't stopping him because he's got these supernatural abilities now due to his personality. And then uh, as the light sort of shines on her, he sees that she's engaged in self-harm and then looks at her and tells her, well, you're pure as well, and then runs away. And she's found by a worker, and as it turns out, she's under a zoo and the worker takes her out, and they get the cops in there, and they find the dead bodies. And then she's almost returned to the uncle that abused her, because in the flashbacks we found out her father died. And so she was raised by this uncle who was abusing her. And then um, it's kind of ambivalent, but it seems like maybe she didn't end up going back with him. And then we see... We'll hope that that will be, yeah. that'll be my hope. And then we see the sort of uh, Dennis slash other personalities... Uh, kind of getting away free and you find out the beast is like a conglomerate of all of the uh, animals at the zoo where he worked and then at the very end uh, this is like the, maybe this is the twist I guess Uh, there's a reference to the film Unbreakable which I haven't seen so I didn't get the reference but sort of ties that universe in with the split universe. Yeah Bruce Willis is there and then he is Mr. Glass and so it's a very brief but it's kind of fun if you've seen that movie right otherwise it's doesn't it seems inconsequential and i just (laughs) thought it was weird that bruce willis was there at the yeah and these movies are 17 years apart so i'm imagining (laughs) that not everyone has seen them all so very quick summary and i'm sure i left out details but just i did like unbreakable by the way i should go back to watch it just as a side note i mean it's a comic book type interesting structure so yeah i heard it's sort of a superhero kind of movie Mm -hmm. so um 
so kind of weird to sort of tie those in, I guess. But apparently the character from Split was meant to be a bad guy in Unbreakable, but it didn't end up working out. So this was M. Night's way of tying the universes in together to maybe make another movie where the character from Split is a, a villain in an, the Unbreakable universe. Hmm. Sort of a long introduction. Yeah, a roundabout way to do yeah. it. Um, so I think I got most of the main points in there. And of course that was a what felt like a four-hour movie explained in like five minutes. <laughs> so I'm sure I left out plenty of details and I kind of jumped around. So overall, Katie, what were your overall thoughts uh, slash opinions about the film? Okay, so maybe I will mention some of the things I liked about it to yeah, start off. Please. So one thing that isn't always done is they use the appropriate name. They called it Dissociative Identity Disorder, and other even more recent movies, they call it Multiple Personality Disorder. So yep. I like that they were using the current terminology. They represented it as a controversial disorder yep. that people debated about whether or not it existed. In the film, even. We yes. got to see that. Yes. Which and was so interesting. It was. And I, I liked that. Um, I thought that that, you know, that, that's true, certainly. So that's an accurate representation. I liked the fact that the therapist was clearly very caring about mm-hmm. her clients and wanted them to get well. So that was cool. I thought that there were... This is a very side point, but the friendship between the girls once they were captured, I thought was a nice part of it. Mm -hmm. They were genuinely kind of being caring towards each other. And that's a good point. Even at the beginning of the movie, the dad, I think it is the dad says, was that a pity invite that that the girl is there? Someone says that. I think the dad was pretty supportive about it, actually, and wouldn't leave her because she didn't have a ride. And the girls sort of, I got the impression they wanted to include her in uh, but she was sort of the kind of person that just didn't want to be included in sort of the social circle. So I maybe represented that a little bit wrong. It would never You never got the impression she was excluded very much, but mostly just kind of walked her own road. Yes, and you know, until you were explaining this, I didn't really think about this, but at the beginning they're talking about the three of them teaming up to attack him, yep. which seems like they would have a decent chance mm-hmm. to do that with three of them and only one of him. And Casey says... Mm-hmm no, we can't do that. And it doesn't actually make a lot of sense. And the other girls are kind of frustrated with, you know, look, we're locked down here. We have no way out. What's the harm in trying to Mm -hmm. overpower this person? And so I do wonder if that was a little bit of the justification for the backstory of her having this history of being victimized and and therefore um, not wanting to take that approach, you know, because she kind of is like, no, we can't do that. He's stronger than that. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. maybe uh, grouping things together that don't belong together, but I wondered about that. So I, I liked that part. I mean, some of the acting I thought was quite good. Um, those were the main things. What about you? Were there any kind of things positive that I points liked? I missed? Uh, yeah. the, I also agree. I thought, uh, for the most part, James McAvoy did an awesome job. Uh, it's... You know, always a unique experience when you get to see one uh, actor portray multiple roles in the same film. It's a real side-by-side comparison, even in the same scene. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I also uh, mostly liked the therapist as well. Uh, Narratively, she did some weird things that I think we'll get to. But she did seem to depict, or she was depicted in a way that did seem compassionate about her clients. And there's even a scene where she has this strange neighbor who to her office mm-hmm. it seems that she works out of her apartment yes and so she her neighbor sort of beckons her over and they're watching wheel of fortune after the sessions and her neighbor's sort of this kind of crotchety elderly woman who says uh 
uh, you know, I don't really believe your patients. I don't, and and she's very much in the defense of no, uh, these people have experienced trauma, and I and I think that I want to help them, or not. I think she says, you know, I want to help them, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, the acting was pretty good. I thought. Uh, I mean, I mean that's kind of it though. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like. That I figured we. <laughs> no, I yeah, I I don't think. Oh, and I guess one other thing which I didn't mention that I think is accurate is they do show that he was a victim of severe child yeah. abuse, and so it is accurate that that is connected to etiology of people who have dissociative identity disorder. And mm-hmm. so I don't know if I mentioned that before. So there is some truth in the explanation, like we talked in the past episodes, that the person is coping with this severe trauma by kind of either hypnotizing themselves unintentionally or splitting so that they can cope with the thing that they're dealing with. And it does show, since there are two characters that are experiencing um, abuse, that that is not the necessary outcome. So that's... That's a good point. I never made that comparison before. So... Yeah. But we don't have to talk about any more of the positive things. We can now look well, at a more critical no more. view. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be so harsh. Uh, no, it's okay. I think I you, think it's okay. I in think this you case. you've sort of jumped off on accuracy, and I think mm-hmm. that's a good uh, a, maybe a good spot to continue our focus is and it's on the accuracy of the film. Can I talk about one plot Please. hole real quick that Absolutely. bothered me? So at one point, she cleverly um, gets one of the personalities to get her a walkie-talkie that reaches someone who they later find out, as Brandon mentioned, that they're in a zoo. And she says, this is my name. I've been kidnapped, Mm -hmm. and I need help. And the person keeps thinking it's a joke, despite the fact that they're all over the news that these people are missing. Yeah. So in (laughs) in the same town, they were they've been they're still in the same town that they were abducted in in three teenage uh, women. It would be pretty weird to me, especially considering I get the sense that the person on the other end of that walkie was a security guard. Yes, sort of. It seemed like it might have been that that security guard you saw at the end who sort of had a moment of recognition, like, "Oh shit, that was real." Exactly. Uh, Really weird to me that you wouldn't at least take that seriously. And and the point was was really hammered in. Like at first, like, "Oh, okay, you're joking with me," but she also says it like four additional Mm -hmm. times, like, "No." Like, this is my name. I've been kidnapped. Please get help. And it's sort of like, who's playing this joke on you at nighttime at the zoo, bud? Exactly. Like, and it's and, and it's a walkie-talkie. It's not even a phone. So they right. say in the movie, this person is nearby. So they, yeah. there's, a, there's a range of places that this person can mm-hmm. be communicating to them. So that was kind of like really that, you know, that... That from not even a psychological perspective, but just like a plot hole perspective. Why was that? What was the point of having that in there? Very weird. Yeah. Um, additional things that I felt, I felt like there's a lot of filler in this movie, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's maybe a, another thing. So they have this subplot um, of the, what was the main character, uh, adolescent woman character? Was name? it Do you Casey? Oh, that was Casey. I think, yeah. I, yeah, you're right. Um, so that was Casey. And so they show this subplot that actually really interested me right away of her and her uncle and her dad sort of hunting. And I thought, this is cool. She's going to learn some skills or something that she's going to are going to come back into play. And she's going to be able to use these skills to sort of get out of the situation and save herself. And that's what I thought was mm-hmm. happening. And, and I can't always predict things. And then this time I did, it did not at all. Um, what we find, as I said, is it turns out that while out hunting, her uncle is sexually molesting her. 
And that scene was very uncomfortable for me to mm-hmm. watch because it was... So nothing graphic was shown. Yeah, yeah, course. we should say they don't show it, no. but the setup is enough that you understand it's what's happening. very heavily implied. The uncle is says, you know, come over here and play animals, and he's taking off his clothes and sort of romping around like an animal in the leaves, and uh, it shows her zipping down her sweater. And, and uh, you know, I had a really hard time with that scene. Yeah. And if it played into the plot in any way, I might be able to excuse it, but it absolutely did not mm-hmm. uh didn't besides to add to this ending part where she was in some way pure because she was broken yes exactly so she was spared because the the theme that even the therapist is getting into is that these people we think are broken are abs- actually the more powerful ones and yeah. it's not like an empowering thing. Oh, they have mental health problems and they're strong for dealing with it. It's more like they have these weird supernatural powers because of what they've been through. And so you're right. There could have been other ways to get to that. Or I thought that the whole point was that her dad at a young age taught her how to use a gun and she mm-hmm. was going to defeat him with the gun. That comes in handy at right. this point. But then he's bulletproof yeah. because he's the beast or the horde or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I very much have to admit, I very, very strongly believe that the setup was that she was going to be another one of the personalities mm-hmm. because of the abuse she experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is absolutely not what happened. That's what I thought, or I thought that maybe she was in treatment for trauma and these were a nightmares or some yeah. kind of flashbacks or some kind of thing that she was experiencing as a result of her own trauma. Not the kind of thing where, like... That's the reason she right. ends up being spared. I was I didn't see that, and mm-hmm. and I and you're right. So if there's a scene that is kind of accurately depicting something related to child abuse, and if there is some meaningful connection to it, you can see that. But in this case, it just felt like, why is this here? Yeah, you know, yeah, you could portray in other ways that she's responding in these ways because of her history. I think, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but it, it felt like. Um, there were other ways they could have done that. Absolutely. The only other thing I considered a little bit, too, was maybe she also had dissociative identity mm-hmm. disorder, and she would have some sort of alter or something that would have powers to have some sort of supernatural battle. Yeah. But that wasn't what happened either, which kind of goes back to what you said. She was she did not develop the disorder in response to the trauma, so it kind of illustrated the uh, diverging pathways, I guess, exactly. after a childhood trauma. But. And to be clear, she does have psychological problems. Yeah. I mean, you don't see a ton of them, but she talks about avoidance, purposely getting detention so that she doesn't have to be around people. She, she cuts. She engages yeah. in non-suicidal self-injury. She has scars all over, basically, her torso. Yeah. And um, there is a higher rate of that for people who have experienced sexual abuse. And so that part is accurate. But they don't go into it that much. It's just no, kind no, of no. used as an outward appearance sign to him that there's something... Um, not that she's experienced hardship, right? Yeah, no, it, it didn't seem to fit that well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, in terms of accuracy, the therapist, um, that part. So she sort of, I think you put it really well in sort of our post movie discussion, where you said she sort of had a, a, she was very compassionate to her patients, but she also had a bit of a Doctor House vibe, where she almost put the the quest for knowledge ahead of the well-being of everyone involved because and i might be wrong but it very much seemed like she was suspicious 
between about this connection between these missing women and this resurgence in symptoms that she's seeing from Dennis slash Barry slash Kevin, this individual. Yeah. So I, I don't remember how I got started on this point, but uh, her fascination is overriding. Yeah. Her judgment in this case, and I think that well, not to cut you off, no, please. but that's that's. I lost um, my point because I was trying to remember all the names. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I'll pull up. I Thank pulled you. up the names I, to help handy. me to reserve yeah. that cognitive um, capacity for myself. So, Doctor Fletcher. <laughs> yes, Doctor um, Fletcher, the therapist. Yeah, although it doesn't have the name of all the personality. Oh, it does. It have has it, some actually. of them. The, all the ones, the ones we that met. were named, yep. right? So that's another kind of cinematic point well, that he there has. There were twenty-four personalities. Mm-hmm. We met nine, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Um, so it seems like she is con- she knows something's wrong, and she's trying to assess the risk for it. So she knows that the personality Dennis likes to see young girls dance naked. She knows that he's recently had this event that could have sent him back to uh, regression because he's working mm. at that store, and it's kind of a weird thing that happens. He says that I didn't ad- understand that part. No, at all, he's working somewhere, and these adolescent girls, as a prank, go up to him and put his hand under their shirt. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. That seemed. I guess that could happen, but it seemed kind of weird. I didn't get it at all. No, that seemed like that a weird thing. seems like thing. a weird thing to happen at a zoo. Because presumably he works at oh, the yeah, zoo. Oh, yeah, you're right. He works yeah. at the zoo. I was thinking for some... Yeah. It wasn't revealed at that time where he was working. You're so, right. Yeah. So I think I imagined it somewhere yeah. else. But so that's odd. And, you know, she remarks that he's never had any problem at work and he's been functioning well for some long period of time. So she knows there's been this... And that supposedly stresses him and causes him some decompensation so she knows that something is wrong she's already getting emails she knows that this um, personality Dennis has this thing about young girls and yet she doesn't I think do the due diligence to make sure he's not harming anyone she's kind of like well, it seems like something's wrong, and he convinces her otherwise, and she's like, yeah, I'm a little well, suspicious. And even she reviews this videotape yes. footage <laughs> uh, because she eventually does find out she is talking to Dennis, who is a person who is a, an alter that has obsessive-compulsive disorder, and she uses this video security footage of this apartment building where her office slash home is, and she sees that he directly like stomps through a pile of garbage, which she says, oh, that's to throw me off. And she sort of is like putting putting the pieces together that she's being deceived. Uh, but even that part, her. how could how could um, we're to believe that Kevin or the personality yeah. Dennis knows that she's watching through a security camera, and so he's being so convincing that he purposely walks through the garbage so she knows he's not the personality with OCD. Do you have a sense that someone with obsessive compulsive disorder could actually even do that? Stomp through garbage? And I want to remind you that this is someone who was very distressed by a yes. crumb. So he, he has the girls supposedly take off their shirts because there's a crumb One crumb. On them. Yeah. And, a, and dust re- on their clothes, so he makes them take off their clothing. Yeah, so that... So I have a hard time believing something like that. It was also bizarre. Like, she's garbage. so clever to know something's wrong that she's sneakily watching a security camera, but she doesn't suggest anything like, well, maybe I should follow him. Maybe I should check in with work. Right. Maybe I should follow up and see what's going on, especially until, in light of this weird thing. Until yeah. she actually does. That's right. Goes to his home at night. By herself. By herself. Uh, is told that the zoo is closed. We don't know it's a zoo yet at the time, mm-hmm. but the taxi driver says, it's closed, you can't get in. She says, I'll be fine, bye, and walks in and gets killed. Yeah. Wild. 
Yeah, it, she's not supposed. It's she's supposed to be bright. So the only thing well, I can we get think, the sense that she's very yeah, talented. Yeah. So the only thing that is it like she becomes so. And this, I guess, does happen somewhat with therapists. If you're so focused on helping them that you lose any sense of your ethics to protect other people. Because it seems like there's a pretty clear reason she should be concerned about him harming. I mean, she seems surprised. She doesn't. It seems like she doesn't think he's capable of it. But she's not very active on it until it's too late. I agree. Because when she does find one of the women held captive, she very much uh, breaks down. Yeah, she's horrified. She didn't think it was ever going to get to that point. So that's in her defense. Yeah. Some foolish decisions. Yes. A little bit of character discrepancy between someone who is so incredibly deductive and bright and, like, is giving these guest lectures in Paris, France. Right. uh, Who's not putting the pieces together. A little weird. And therapists don't, like, did she not want him to get in trouble with the law? Did she not want him to not trust her? My, the way I perceived that was she did not want to stigmatize the disorder yeah so she wanted to protect and sort of cover it up that because she was like the forefront person for dissociative identity so that seems like where some of her own ego might have clouded that because so if we're concerned about someone's welfare then we will if needed call the police to have them do a welfare check we certainly wouldn't go by ourselves no oh my goodness i mean and she clearly does have some boundary issues i mean they show her lying in bed with all of her files and charts from yeah from her clients and like that's not ethical to do that it's not where i usually do my no (laughs) no you're not you're leaving in a very specific confined place so it's clear she's whether she means well it doesn't actually matter because it's clouding her judgment which is when there's any risk, it doesn't, like, of course you want the client to trust you, but the time that you break confidentiality is if there's any chance that anyone else could yeah. possibly be harmed, and then there's no question that you ethically need to intervene. And you, in fact, that's part of the informed consent for treatment. Exactly. But when you start with a new patient and you kind of walk through uh, what, you know, what is treatment going to maybe, what are the things you think you have doing? Or what will we be doing together? And, uh, you know, everything that you say here will be confidential. But here are the situations in which I will need to break that confidentiality, and that's one of them. And I would argue, too, that as a therapist, she knows there's a cry for help. She's getting these emails, and she just kind of... Three nights in a row. And she asks about it, but she doesn't follow it all the way up. She says, no, I think you're asking for help. I think you're asking for help, and now you're trying to conceal that. But it's like she's... So here it's not like, oh, he's totally cleverly deceiving her. She's on to it, but yeah. she's still making inappropriate choices that I, harm people. And I stand by my thought that she looks very thoughtfully at the TV yeah. when it shows the three yeah. young missing women. Yeah. So on that, I, I want to segue into the, compa- mm-hmm. is this a compassionate depiction? Because I think that part is related. And I, I'm just going to say right out of the whole shot here, no. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a part of that is we have this uh, personality Dennis who we see this person as a young child being abused by their mother and as it comes to find out Dennis was sort of developed in response to the mother because uh, he found out one way to avoid her attention was to be very meticulously clean so this is this person with obsessive compulsive personality disorder okay yeah I bought that, that. yeah that okay that, can, that has some intuitive I can, appeal I can check out mm-hmm. I can check out with that this is what I don't get this same Dennis personality also has a fetish for watching young adolescent women dance naked. What? 
Yeah. That never comes up in the movie again. Yeah. It comes up right away in the beginning when the girls are first kidnapped and, and he pulls the one out of the room. And then it comes up on and off throughout the film as he slowly gets them to take off their clothes by saying, there's a crumb on your shirt, take it off. There's some dust on your uh, skirt, take it off. And you pointed out something I may have missed, which was this was to lead up to the end where Casey didn't have her shirt on. She was wearing multiple shirts. And that's when the Beast saw that she engaged in non-suicidal self-injury. Okay. And, and I'm not saying okay like that to you. Yeah. I'm saying it to them. And, like, that's a pretty roundabout way to get to that end goal. To me, and maybe I'm wrong, and tell me if I am, but it seemed like this was an excuse to show adolescent women taking off clothes almost during the movie because there was no other logical reason for this fetish with this OCD personality that was developed for a specific reason. I don't know. Am I missing yeah. a part of no, it, Katie? No, I felt the same way because, of course, movies do try to use some kind of sex appeal, right. especially if it's especially thriller, if you're trying to get of, people yeah. into it. And so even for me, if it had come up again where he was trying to make them dance again, I mean, right. yeah, that's un- unpleasant, but I would have been like, okay, that is what the character's doing. That's why he's trapping them, but it's it shifts rather dramatically to it's just that the beast needs to eat them because they're unpure food. And Which didn't really make sense either. No, so it's like kind of like it does switch like it's an OCD thing. There's something on their clothes, and now they're just not wearing the clothes for a long time. And so it it felt like why was that introduced as a premise, but it's not really followed up much mm-hmm. at all. And so that was confusing to me. And I was also just thinking as a side note, um, non-suicidal self-injury is a term that I'm guessing oh, most people know, yeah. but in case you're not familiar, it's called non-suicidal because the idea is someone's intentionally engaging in tissue damage, usually by cutting, burning, or some other thing, but they aren't trying to kill themselves. It's often used to make themselves feel better. Um, So you're right. It did seem like, okay, now that she's taken off her three shirts, um, now he sees last minute this dramatic thing that she's self-mutilated. That seemed like the whole point Mm -hmm. of that, of tacking that on throughout the entire film. Yeah. Um, I thought it was weird. Just quite frankly, I thought it was weird. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right because the motivation seems to shift not because the personality shifts so even if it was like oh there's one personality who has this thing about trapping young girls so they can dance for him and then there's this other personality but i don't know if they were trying to they try to act like these two patricia and Mm -hmm. um dennis were trying to come together for the beast but it seemed like well what was the point of pulling that in and she knew enough about that that he was at risk to minors yeah. So you don't act slow on that. No. At all, you know. Um, so anyway, yeah. Another thing that I that I think maybe ties into compassion mm-hmm. a little bit is this idea of purity and impurity. So mm-hmm. the overall theme is that the individuals who are suffering are pure, and if you've never had to suffer from presumably mental health, is kind of what I got. Yeah, I didn't know if it was impure. abuse specifically, oh, but I don't know was. that he knew she was. She had also been there abused. There would be no way to know. Yeah. Um, and that was a little bit of a weird part to me, too, because uh, who's to say that the other two girls didn't experience some abuse? Mm-hmm. You know, there was no indication of that. It said that he followed them for four days. And was that enough time to really... I mean, that seemed like such an arbitrary reason for him, for the beast to choose who he was going to quite literally eat. Yes. Uh, it just didn't make sense to me. No, it, and, and, it, and it also can perpetuate this kind of stigma because the truth is that when people do experience 
sexual abuse. Of course, that's very horrible that that should ever happen to anyone, but the research shows that a lot of people are resilient to that. And so it doesn't mean just because out of appearance that the other two girls seem to be generally happy that they hadn't been through some hardship and worked their way through it. So Mm -hmm. that was also a part that I feel might send a negative message like yes maybe it's entertaining in a movie sense like everything's inverted the people with the mental health problems the broken people are actually the strong people i worry that it might also send some kind of signal like if someone has been through something horrible it's going to be obvious because they're acting kind of weird Mm -hmm. and they're suffering and if people seem happy it's because they haven't experienced Mm -hmm. anything negative and so um i guess that brings to a question that i have which has been brought up to me before if it's a movie, is it okay? Are we being too strict here? Because we're expecting some... It's not a documentary, right? Right. So should we even care how realistic it is? That's something that was what was um, said toward me, too. That was me that from Facebook. a fake account. That was you, oh, naturally. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a, it's a tricky question, but I think the answer is no, we are not being too picky. And that's because... Uh, we are always right. Oh. No. I think the and the reason the that's the bottom line. The re- legitimate reason is because there is a historical record of popular culture um, having a direct influence on mental health stigma and mental health prevalence rates. Mm-hmm. That's just documented. You can't argue about specifically that. That's a fact. with dissociative identity yes. disorder, right? Absolutely. So I think that indicates that. When you make a film that depicts mental health, specifically dissociative identity disorder, you need to be careful because something like this did not portray the disorder very compassionately. What we saw here was one personality that um, was very inappropriate towards adolescent women and one that quite literally was a supernatural monster. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I mean, that just plain and simple, that's not compassionate, it's not accurate. And we know that his, if history is any indicator, that will have an impact on the perception and prevalence rates of the diagnosis. You're absolutely right. And one of the other things that comes from this pairing of violence with dissociative identity disorder is that there are cases, like we talked about last week, where people who do horrible mm-hmm. things, like sexually assault or mm-hmm. murder people, use it as a defense because they've seen it in the movies that that wasn't me that was the evil personality mm-hmm. that actually did those things like the hillside strangler exactly and so this quote if you don't mind me reading Please. i thought it summed up kind of eloquently this is from an article in the guardian um movies such as split can be extremely damaging argues dr simone rinders a neuroscientist studying dissociative identity disorder at king's college london in collaboration with universities in the netherlands and then this is the quote they make it seem as if patients with did are extremely violent and prone to doing bad things this is actually not true and it very badly misrepresents the psychiatric disorder. Individuals with DID definitely do not have a tendency to be violent, more a tendency to hide their mental health problems, right? The whole premise of DID is that they've been victims of horrible Mm -hmm. violence. I'm very concerned about the effects that the movie will have for patients with DID. Now the general public will now see these patients. There's already a lot of stigma and skepticism concerning this specific disorder. Why would we want to add to that? when there's already this pre-existing foundational stigma and skepticism. And now we've... And, you know, the the person who argued with me online said, you know, these are movies. People aren't going to get their information from movies. I beg to differ. 
I, I just quite honestly, I do. I think there's a lot of misinformation about mental health. I think dissociative identity disorder is a disorder that's not completely understood yet. So that you know, movies who depict things like this, even when the professionals don't exactly understand the disorder perfectly. No, because it's so it's so rare, so, right? Less rare. than one percent of inpatients, mm-hmm. so it makes it very hard to so understand. How it. can we expect the general population to understand it accurately? And I just, you know, yeah, of course there's a supernatural element, and I just, I very much hope that people can recognize that. I, oh, mean, I hope so, it's too. A, it's almost like a werewolf sort of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it, it still is, it just is, was not very compassionate in the depiction of no, the disorder. No, no. Even if you cut out the supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. Even if the beast didn't turn out to be a quite literally a monster. Mm-hmm. It still was not. Still kidnapping, still murder still uh very inappropriate interactions assaulting minors presumably there's mm-hmm. no it was never clearly said but something like that mm-hmm. it, exactly and you know just from, you know we've talked a little bit about this even just from a storytelling angle there it seems like i don't know is there is it a little bit of a easy way to make something exciting is oh they have different personalities because we were talking about this earlier that movie adaptation that came out a while ago and it's about these people making movies and they talk about how overused this is as a plot device like the scary thing is literally that they have a mental disorder like yeah. that is the thing that that is used and so and even when did from that, that movie come out adaptation that, uh that's a good question i'm gonna look i'm gonna guess early 2000s but i'm not sure oh that's 2002, 2002. so and fi- so 15 years ago nick cage was telling us that's overdone it's cliche why are we doing it m night have you not mm-hmm. seen adaptation? And it's such by as a side note. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. That's by uh, Charlie Kaufman and, and Donald Donald Kaufman, which is anyway. I won't get into that. That's sure. for another show. But Meryl Streep's in it, so come on. She's classic. Yeah. So anyway, overall thoughts about the film. Uh, this is me. I didn't think. I thought there were a few accurate parts, but overall, I didn't think it was terribly accurate. Probably not in the most important ways. Like I said, yeah. oh, they use the right name. And right, oh, right, the right. therapist yes. seems caring. Well, probably people can get that anyway. The more important thing is the emotion that you get, and it's that someone with a disorder is very dangerous, mm-hmm. right? That leads right into the next part. It wasn't compassionate mm-hmm. in the depiction of uh, dissociative identity disorder. And my overall rating from a mental health perspective is that it was not terribly good. And just from a... I was going to say non-biased, but I don't think I can ever be non-biased about... The best uh, we can do is admit our biases, yeah, right? and I'm very biased about mental health. Is I just didn't really like the movie mm-hmm. in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it felt like it was 10% set up for, for getting these girls kidnapped and, and held captive, 80% dragging out them being held captive, and the beast is coming, and then 10% final conclusion showdown. Yeah, and both of us, our perception of the how long the movie was oh. was that it was five to six hours long, I thought, and that's weird for like oh, a thriller. It's not that. like oh, this is a Shakespearean play, right? And you know they really need to show you every detail. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it started at about seven forty, twenty minutes of advertisements, so it really got rolling probably at about eight minutes long, and you know if, two hours if yeah. you if you, and if you had to ask me after i bet it would have clocked in around seven yeah and honestly they could have edited out at least 30 minutes i think that oh, would have helped easily. a lot because like you're saying it's not like they build up to this thing and all the pieces are tied together i'm 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 old school like that i like when the pieces fit together not that i mind a twist as long as they've kind of got something you know that explains it like lost we've talked a little bit mm-hmm. if they had explained some things that would be the problem but, with lost was that 
it started out awesome. Mm-hmm. And then people said, hey, it's purgatory. And then they went, no, oh, no, it's not. We're going to trick you. Mm-hmm. It was purgatory lost. We, yeah. we knew. <laughs> we knew ahead of time. We knew ahead of time. They keep throwing all these things, and if they're like, oh, but this is why, then... Right. Okay, I like that in story. So, no, I agree. And it's not like every story has to be super deep and meaningful, but at least if it's engaging, that's fine. But And obviously some of this is just a matter of taste. We both said going into it, this isn't a genre that we'd be interested in anyway. No. And so that one of the interesting things to me is that I think in other areas, like, so for example, I have a few family members that have expertise in art history, and they didn't like Da Vinci Code because oh, it is inaccurate. And I get that. And for me, I'm like, well, I can just watch it and enjoy it, even though I don't like that. However, and maybe they didn't feel this way, I feel like it doesn't have as much possibility to negatively impact vulnerable people with mental disorders when, as when you get yeah. psychology wrong. So, yeah, it does make, maybe it makes their field not look right. as accurate. Or, you know, when they have medical shows like ER and it doesn't make mm-hmm. it look accurate, and that's a problem. And I'm sure that's frustrating I, to see your totally. field misrepresented. Or, in fact, I know it is. Oh, definitely. Because we just saw it last night in a movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, that's right. Or, so, you know, police shows. Like, that's, oh, absolutely. that's frustrating. But in this case... We're talking about pretty vulnerable people being further stigmatized. I mean, that's, I would argue, like you said, that that has, might even have more negative impact than other inaccuracies. Absolutely. So, in closing, those are kind of my thoughts about mm-hmm. the movie. I don't think, I didn't personally like it that much. Uh, yeah, no, two thumbs down from me. I don't know. What about you, Katie? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't enjoy it, Um, and on top of that, I had some concern about the fact that so many people are going to see this, and so I'm actually teaching about this in my class right now, and I'm not about split, about dissociative Mm -hmm. identity disorder um, next week, and I'll be interested to see how many saw the movie and what they thought was real or not, because a lot of the time, they do think things from movies are real, and I don't blame them, but I've, you know, they've asked me about other movies they've seen and asked, is that really what it's like, and so I'll... I will report back briefly and see yeah, if you know that's what students thought. So maybe we'll move into the Pearl of Wisdom then. Uh, or, well, it's been like a month since the last Pearl of Wisdom, so I need to make sure I give the good lead-up, which is the world, uh, the world-renowned epic uh, segment. <laughs> Pearl of Wisdom with Brandon. Uh, so my Pearl of Wisdom this week is I'm not a film critic. Katie, I, I don't know your full... Uh, employment background, but I don't think you have. <laughs> I'm an amateur film <laughs> critic. I'm not going to sit here and tell you don't like this movie. You're allowed to like whatever movie you want. That's not my job, is to tell you what not to or to not like. But I would encourage you to take a grain of salt when you watch this movie and and think about the impact that some, that a film like this might have on individuals with dissociative identity disorder and the way that they are portrayed and treated and thought about in the general population. Even therapists Even are ther- influenced by, by everyone. Things. That's mm-hmm. a great point because we have seen variance in the rate of diagnoses, the prevalence rate of diagnoses after films like this have come out, like Sybil, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's just something to think about. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's my pro wisdom. If you like the movie, tell us why. Convince me that I'm wrong. That's what I would hate. No, just <laughs> but please do try. Or so. tell us what you did like about it. I mean, I guess Absolutely. at a basic level, it is an interesting thing to some people. I guess. I guess. I mean, 
Depends on how you define interest. Yeah, not our taste, (laughs) I guess. Uh, So, as always, folks, thank you so much for listening in. We hope you've enjoyed our mini-series on dissociative identity disorder. Um, If there are any characters, comics, uh, games, or disorders that you're interested in hearing about, please send us a tweet, a message, an email, anything like that. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk about the things that you want to hear about. In addition, I want to say thanks to all of our new followers on Twitter. We're up to 1,700 followers, I think. That's just amazing to me. It means a lot. Thank you. Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. And, you know, every time someone tweets and says, whoa, mental health and pop culture, this is awesome. I can't wait to see what you're working on. It's I absolutely love it. I think that's absolutely great. So I appreciate all the support that we've been getting uh, from a few people like um, who uh, so like uh, at Miss Laura Fagan? She's sort of tweeted at us. At Quentin Lee, he's tweeted at us. Uh, the good folks over at Paradox Cards and Comics here in Faro always talking to us on Twitter. Yeah, if you live locally, go to Paradox. It's They're a, great. Absolutely, it's a great place. Uh, at North Texas, uh, he tweeted at us, or they did. At Darth Daisy and at the Pete Awakens, uh, at Kayla Simpson, so many great people who have uh, tweeted at us and letting us know what they want to hear about or what they're excited for. We love that. Uh, Karina sent us an email at our Jedi Council blog at gmail dot com and just really enjoyed some of the Office uh, blog posts. So thank you so much for getting and to suggested a great show, which other people have suggested. So I finally uh-huh. launched um, Crazy Ex Girlfriend, which I'm enjoying so we may talk more about that absolutely in uh in addition to that so uh, thank you always uh everyone who's tweeting at us emailing us messaging us we can't believe the folks are getting in touch with us it's absolutely awesome um if you have not checked out the geek therapy podcast network you've got to do it there's so many great shows on there i'm talking about shows like geek therapy psych tech Headshots, Rolling for Change. These are all shows that are going to take these intersection between uh, mental health or something that someone's passionate about and how can we, how does it apply to the world or something nerdy. And they're all absolutely just wonderful. Please go and check those out. I can't encourage them enough. Uh, you can check out all of our stuff at www.jedi-council.com. Uh, we've got our blog posts up there. There's a new one uh, about Mad Max. That was an absolute pleasure to write. People seem to be enjoying that. Uh, if you want to check out our Facebook or Twitter page, you can find us, like us, follow us on there. And uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher. Please go ahead and leave us a review. Uh, that's the only way people are going to get to hear about this stuff that we like talking about. And hopefully we'll get some folks who are interested uh, in telling us what they want to hear. We want to have that back and forth communication with the people who are you know, listening to and reading the things that we're putting out. So we can't get enough of it. That's, what, that's all I've got. That was my long Yeah, we're spiel. very, very grateful. We love doing this. And thank you so much to those who reach out and tell us what you think. Absolutely. So we'll end it off there uh as always thank you so much for listening in we hope you'll listen in next time and uh, i didn't think i didn't think of a sign off Hmm. um uh have i i think i already said see you later alligator yeah that was um um, famous good uh what the okay good googling (laughs) most famous sign off in tv history uh, this is a two-parter. Should we do this okay, one? Okay. Uh, are we going to use our names or the names as written? Let's use them as written. Good night, Chet. Good night, David. <laughs> <laughs>